Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Well, amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King podcast. I am your host, Chad Reese, pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church. And with me is Brother Brian Bean. And uh, a good introduction last time. So I figure we'll keep it fairly simple this time. Uh, but brother, I've I, again. I know I've said this probably almost every podcast. I've really enjoyed them. I've we've getting good feedback. And uh, what's what's your thoughts, brother? Having a blast. We have good chemistry. We have. Uh, we both believe a, the book. We both love Jesus Christ. We're trying to serve him. Trying to do what we can for him. And we we love talking about the Bible. So, but yeah, it's been a blast. It, it, it's awesome to lift up the Word of God and talk about the Word of God and give nuggets like we've been doing the last few weeks, just things that Chad and Brother Chad and I both have had great teachers and, of course, Larkin Amen. and Schofield Amen. and Dr. Ruckman and Brother Donovan, yeah. all different preachers, and he's been around a lot more preachers than I have. And the Lord's given such great ministries. By the way, Ephesians 4, I don't know yeah. why I'm getting into this, but those are given for the edification of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And God gives gifts people to help us, so it's a blessing to just been taught so many things in my 24 years of being saved and to share them with the people yeah man brother there's, <laughs> there's some good things to share right <laughs> yeah amen so uh with that said again just our prayer our prayer truly is that you are encouraged you are edified um these podcasts provoke you to study they uh get you to fall in love with the word of god and and brethren what you need in this day and age is to fall in love with the world god we live in perilous times and evil men are going to wax worse and worse and you know brother brian while this world is falling apart and losing their mind and worried about the you know next crisis whatever the news media wants to manufacture brother we can have perfect peace and joy and uh, love the lord jesus christ and be encouraged i truly believe just like Esther, for such a time as this. And brother, for such a time as this, I believe that uh, the Word of a King podcast is needed desperately. Uh, more Bible-believing men preaching, teaching the Word of God podcast, whatever the means may be, our goal is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, lift up the Word of God, encourage you in the things of God, and hopefully you have peace in this world. Um, you know, brother, I, I, I know you, myself, and our church is just a wonderful thing going on there at Lighthouse, but I truly have joy. I know this world is falling apart, and I don't want to sound ultra-spiritual. I have I have a wife. I have children. But, brother, I don't go to bed at night worrying about it. I don't even really think about it. I'm excited about what God's doing. Well, what about you, brother? I agree. Totally. <laughs> it's, in a way, it's like kind of morbid, maybe, but it's, it's kind of exciting, the times sure. and what could happen and... I don't know. It's it's really exciting. Hopefully the rapture's near. And Amen. Amen. If it's not, I guess things could be bad, but worthy is the lamb. That's, That's all it, I brother. can say. And the, 
Yeah. Like you said, I, 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 I think you said it like what I was trying to articulate is it maybe even seem morbid because it's like, I'm not worried about it and I'm not bothered by it. And Amen. but what that is, is the peace of God that we get from the Holy spirit. When we walk in his word and not cumbered about with much, not full of care. And uh, that does not mean brethren, things are not going to get bad. That does not mean things aren't going to get hard. Does not mean we're not going to have trials and tribulations. But as you said, worthy is a lamb. So, I, uh, you know, we started this and we knew when we got into this series or however you want to say it about just talking about just having a conversation about the King James Bible, what an amazing book it is. We knew we would go several podcasts, but uh, I probably didn't quite think we would go this many. And I'm not saying that apologize. I'm enjoying every minute of it, but we may have several more just on what an amazing book the Bible is. Amen. We could do 10 more, just just amazing little nuggets, little snippets. Some of these will just be 60 seconds, a 90 second little sure. short thing. Some of them will be 20, 30 minutes where we're going to dig in. But they're just amazing truths in the Word of God, kind of deeper things. And yeah. some of them will be short, but they'll just be like amazing verses that maybe you don't hear much about or maybe a lot of you haven't seen or haven't thought about or never, oh, I never noticed that before. Like, you know, God will do that sometimes, hide some verses where you didn't see it a certain way. So, yeah, we, we just, we love the Bible, love bragging about the Bible and talking about the Bible and just showing them wonderful things in the Word of God. So maybe uh, leave us some comments, some feedback if you're enjoying it. We definitely will do a couple more of these be honest with you, probably do a couple more regardless of what you say. But yeah. We'd like to get your feedback. We want, we want to know that you're enjoying them. But uh, we'll go ahead and get into this subject again. We're just going to continue on with our conversation. Uh, just two Bible-believing men sitting around the King James Bible and discussing how this is an amazing book. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into some of these things. Brother Brian, why don't you go ahead and lead us off with some things that you want to, uh, want to uh, share with the audience. All right, this is a short one here, Isaiah 49.5. This is an example of something. I've read Isaiah. It's a, of course, it's a great book. I've probably, I don't even know. Let's say I've read it 15 times in my life. And then one time I'm reading it kind of recently, like, wow, that verse is awesome. So I'll read the verse, Isaiah 49.5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. But here, here's the nugget. I'm giving the context. And he said, this is God talking to Jesus Christ. Here's where we come in. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. So God told Jesus Christ, we know he's the Messiah. He's going to save Israel. and We're Gentile dogs and all that kind of thing. We get that. But God said, you know what, Jesus Christ. So sounds kind of whatever the irreverent to say that. But God says, I'm going to, I promise you, Israel, I promise you the Jews, 12 tribes of Israel. But I'll tell you what, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. I'm going to go ahead and give you the whole world. I'm going to, we'll let everybody get in on this thing. You say, well, it proves there had to be a church. No, in the millennium, the Gentiles get in too. But either way, it's a blessing. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and again, just the, the wording there and, and just the truth that God will illuminate and show you. And again, it's just these amazing, amazing little things. You probably read over it and just missed it. 
But again, that's just a just a wonderful truth. Why don't you give us some more? Amen. I got uh, Deuteronomy 28. Dr. Ruckman calls it, and uh, I'll read it to you, see if you agree. I agree with it. The scariest verse in the Bible. Ooh, that's, that's the scariest interesting. scariest verse. Deuteronomy 28, 63. Of course, Deuteronomy 28 is one of the longest chapters in the Bible. It's God, just like I think Leviticus 25 or 26. I always confuse those two. But one of the Leviticus is the same thing, where God just gives a prophecy of the whole history of Israel. And it's... It's about 20% good. If you do this, I'll bless you. Do this, I'll bless you. And it's like 80% really bad and negative. But here's one of the negative ones. This is God speaking, telling the future of Israel as a nation. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good. We all get that. We all agree with that. Billy Graham and Joel Osteen will say amen to that. And to multiply you so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught, and you shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. It says God will rejoice to destroy you, mm. his people. Wow. That's a scary verse. That's a holy God. Yeah. I think uh, that just no joke. is truly, I, I agree with Dr. Parkman, and you bring that out. Uh, what a scary verse that is. And, uh, we discuss this a little bit, and I think what happens, even with good Christians, good men, good ladies that love God, love the Lord Jesus Christ, oftentimes are still guilty of forming and fashion God in their own mind. And they don't really have the same reverence for God as they should. And, you know, this world always preaches about love, 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 love. And thank God, God is love. Amen. There's no doubt about that. I'm glad we don't serve a sadistic God and just looking to punish you and beat you down. No, no, God is love. But he's also holy. He's also righteous. And we could go on and on with the attributes of God. But I'm sure there's a lot of Christians who've never really paid attention to that verse and what it's saying there. And mm. so that is a, a scary verse, but thank God for, we understand the whole picture of God and, you know, we need, we need to take heed to those verses. So it's wonderful truth. Amen. Um, go on. You got another one there? Yeah. Something that goes along with that. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, it only says that he rejoiced one time. Mm. And it wasn't because somebody got saved. It wasn't to spread and share God's love. It wasn't to give big hugs and kisses to people and cotton candy machines. The Bible records Jesus Christ. And this sounds awful. I should have wrote the reference. I know it's in Luke. I quoted you. It's in Luke. But Jesus Christ it said that he rejoiced. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things yeah. from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes, for even though it seemed good in thy sight. Jesus Christ rejoices. It's only recorded that he rejoiced one time, and it's because God, his Father, hid mm. things from the smart Alex, from the people who had pride and thought they knew everything. If, if you ask the, the average of 150, 200 Christians, what do you think Jesus rejoiced over? He only says he did it one time. Oh, one time. Yep, one time. Let's see. They, nobody would guess that, but that goes along with the scariest verse in the Bible. It does. And again, I think that what you're doing there, Brother Brian, is you're showing 
what the Bible says about God, what the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's nothing more nauseating than how Hollywood portrays our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, very, very feminine. Some and, churches. Yeah. Well, yeah, even some preachers <laughs> and churches. And, uh, but well, what, a, what amazing truth there that the Lord would, the Lord Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, would rejoice mm. over hidden truth. And uh, shows you his character. It does show you his character. It shows you uh, a lot about God. And again, you 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 see as you study your Bible, the Bible will reveal the very character of God, who God is, not how the world presents him, not how many churches present him, but how the world Word of God presents him. And you know, I uh, I know you didn't ask me, but if you were to ask me. When's the only time the Lord Jesus Christ rejoices? I, I, I didn't know. I couldn't recall top of my head. Uh, but once you start saying it, yeah, I definitely remember that. And, and again, that just shows you a truth about your Savior that most are not going to preach about. Most are not going to expound on. A lot of Christians are just going to overlook. So, again, we're just giving you some different nuggets, different things to consider in regards to the Word of God. And uh, I was looking for one other thing. So go ahead. and look. Luke 10, 21. Oh, you found the reference. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't find it. Yeah. And it was somewhere on there. Luke 10, 21. So there, there's yeah. your reference. So uh, I'll share this one with you. It's just a real quick one. Uh, Mark chapter 5. And obviously this is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going obviously into the country of the Gadarenes. And you, we understand the context here. And, but I want to share something with, with the viewers and listeners it's just a little little nugget, little thing that you can study out further. But you start studying the spiritual world, and uh, mm. we understand, according to the Bible, that you have angels, and angels don't have wings in mm. the Bible. And then you have these creatures called seraphims, Isaiah chapter 6, Revelation chapter 4, even though in Revelation chapter 4 it calls them beast. Uh, but you compare those to Isaiah chapter 6. They're both around the throne of God. They both cry, holy, holy, holy. And they both have six wings. And so we see some truths there about these angelic beasts. We also know there's cherubs in the Bible, Ezekiel, what is it, chapter 1, Ezekiel chapter 10. And we get the descriptions of those um, heavenly creatures. And they have four wings. And of course, you you know you have other things in the Bible, but uh, um, on the other side, on the, on the evil, whatever angelic side, fallen angels, so on and so forth, you have unclean spirits, you have devils. Obviously, you have Lucifer. You have you know mm. which is Satan. But oftentimes, it's asked, well, are these unclean spirits? What are they? Who are they? Well, that's an interesting study, but here's what I want to show you. In Mark chapter 5, and again, he's going to the, the country of Gadarenes, verse 2, and when he has come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. You go down here and see no man could bind him with chains and he'd pluck him asunder. Um, verse 5, it was night and he was crying and cutting himself. These are all signs mm -hmm. of someone that has an unclean spirit. We look here in verse 6, and when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Isn't that strange that 
A man with an unclean spirit would worship Jesus. But you know what I find very interesting? And you deal with this when you deal with any type of like psychosis. And I think oftentimes, now I want it, the listeners to hear me out. Hmm. Oftentimes, I think what the medical world calls psychosis is truly unclean spirits. And I won't go into a lot of the details, but oftentimes with these people's psychosis, They'll have binders, never been in church of the day of their life. They'll have binders full of religious things mm -hmm. and different things that has to do with the spiritual world. These devils, these unclean spirits, excuse me, they worship Jesus. Now, you get down further in this chapter, um, verse 9, it says, And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion. That's interesting. That's mm -hmm. singular. For we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Anyways, you keep reading this, verse 11, now there were, now was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Now here's the key, verse 12, and the devils besought him. So the Bible defines unclean spirits in verse two as devils in verse 12. So we know according to the Bible, that unclean spirits and devils are the same thing. And again, that's just a little nugget in regards to the spiritual world. I was trying to find the, uh, maybe you know on top of your head, the, the contemporary chapter on this or where it talks about um, uh, torment us not before our time. So there's a contemporary chapter here and I was looking Wasn't for it. Wasn't it in here? I don't see it in, in this particular story and I don't think it is because um, I wanted to. Matthew 8, is it in? Yeah, it might be. I'll, I'll look for it in a minute. But yeah. the, 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 before the time. Yeah, before the time. Told me it's not before yeah. the time. And in the top of my Bible, I wrote, even the devils are dispensationalists. Yeah. And uh, obviously, they had a time. They knew there was a time when they would be tormented. But during this time, they roamed freely. And so even the devils are dispensationalists, and that's just a little <laughs> nugget in there, and I'll find the reference later, whatever. Devils it is. believe in tremble. Yeah, they believe they're in tremble. They're not atheists. No. They're dispensationalists. They they, they, yeah, they're dispensationalists. Yeah. They realize who Jesus Christ was. Mm. But anyways, the nugget here is unclean spirits are devils. And if you pick up probably any book on demonology, it's not going to say that. Correct. So you stick with the book. Stick with the book. It defines itself. You get these little truths, these little nuggets. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's it. All right. What else we got here? Opens the eyes. Oh, you mentioned the seraphim. I don't know if I was taught this or maybe I misunderstood in Bible school. But I always thought the beast in Revelation 4 matched the cherubim in Ezekiel 1. And I always thought that. Right. And I just learned that, I think, just a few weeks ago. You mentioned in the pulpit. I'm like, oh, okay. I never knew that. I keep saying I've, I've learned a lot of stuff here. And praise the Lord for that. But I teach the junior church once a month. This should be a blessing to you. I'm teaching junior church. I think it's my first time or second time. So this is probably July or August or something. And I mentioned uh, I mentioned the ser the cherubim. I don't know. I said something about it that they were the same. The cherubim and the beast were the same. Sure. I know the seraphim are different. And Daniel Duquette raised his hands like, yeah, but I, I thought that, you know, it's just some kid that doesn't sure. know anything as far as my eyes. Now I, I know him now, but right. it's a kid, kid in church. But it's like... Well, I thought the cherubim had six wings and the seraphim had four wings or whatever it yeah, is. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, well, okay. But he, like, remembered everything you taught him. So Amen. that's a blessing. Like, this, you know, he's 14, 15-year-old kid, and he's remembering, like, everything. 
Yeah. How many kids would remember that? Brother Daniel is sharp, and it is a blessing to remember that. And again, yeah, the the seraphims have six wings. That's the description given in Isaiah um, and the description given in Revelation. And the cherubs, obviously, they have four wings. So God gives us those descriptions so we can learn more about what God wants us to learn about. And you are right. It is in it's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. The Bible says, Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Are thou come hither to torment us before the time? And again, I have it at the top of my Bible here, and I'll try to just show it real quick. Um, but uh, see if you can see it there. You can probably read it, maybe not. But what it says is, Even the devils are dispensationalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those who different times, yeah, those who deny dispensations and dispens- being a dispensationalist, I preach the sermon on this. Yeah. You're dumber than a devil. A series <laughs> so, on it, right? Yeah, so I did a series on that. So, uh, anyway, so again, hopefully you uh, get a blessing from these nuggets and truths that we're showing you. And again, we're going all different directions: yeah. the spiritual world, the Bible, numerology. And we just want to we want to just hopefully give you something that. Pricks that, that pricks your heart and stirs your spirit and encourages and edifies you to get in this book and study the Word of God. Amazing book. It's amazing. It's amazing. A couple more quick hitters. The word regeneration occurs mm. two times in the Bible. Yeah. Do you know where they are? Yes, I know. I know what both of them are in regards to. I couldn't. I can give you the reference. You don't point. need where. Just yeah. Titus yeah. and the regeneration of us, talking about our salvation. Titus three five, mm-hmm. and that's our regeneration. The other one I know it's in, pertains to. I couldn't give you the reference, but it's the regeneration of the earth. Of the earth. Yeah. yeah. He talks about you shall judge the twelve tribes when you you sit upon thrones judging twelve tribes in the regeneration mm-hmm. of the earth. I think Matthew twenty twenty eight. Two times, the earth is born again, yeah, and the believer is born again. And so that's, uh, some, some, that's an interesting study in itself. You look there at uh, Romans chapter 8 in regards uh, to how yeah, travaileth in yeah. pain, the, the earth, earth is under the curse. And, Correct. Yeah. And then it compares to how we do, too, and we're waiting for the width of redemption of our body. Yep. And uh, so uh, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption yeah, of our body. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. And uh, we see that. But it's the earth also. And again, we, although we're born again, that regeneration, Titus 3, 5, we're still waiting for the third part of our salvation to be complete. Obviously, the spirit is quickened and made alive the day you receive Jesus Christ. The Bible says the soul is saved. Again, because Brother Brian was talking about this last podcast, it's cut away from the flesh, and now we're sealed under the day of redemption. So God actually seals you from yourself. But there's a part of us That's that's not redeemed yet. There's a part of us. That's still groaning and waiting. And boy, brother, am I waiting to get that new body. Mm. And then our salvation will be complete in the sense of we'll have a quickened spirit made alive. We'll have a saved soul and we'll have a new body. Glory to God. Like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting conversation. We're talking about that. that. (laughs) We'll definitely have a podcast on that, about what that new body is and a wonderful, wonderful study there. So, what else we got tonight, brother? Got the word inspiration. Only occurs two times in the Bible. Most people know 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yep. Profitable doctrine, reproof, correction. But it occurs one other time. Book of Job. 
Book of Job. Yep, somewhere 38 somewhere. Yeah, I think it's 38. Why don't you talk about that? You're, I think you've mentioned that before, haven't you? Um, Caught on that? Or? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's a wonderful truth there. Uh, let's see if I can find the exact reference here. Read it. Find it, let me know. Inspiration. And I should know this. 30, 32 something. Yeah, 32, 8. Yeah, so it's a great verse. It is a wonderful <laughs> verse. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis, Job chapter 32, verse 8. Get out of yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So uh, the idea that, you know, only the originals are inspired and, and, you know, inspiration happens one time, not according to the Bible. You know, every time mm. that we get understanding, it's because of the act of inspiration. Mm. So God has his Bible as given by inspiration. That's the scripture. We talked about a little bit about this. It's not the originals. It's the scripture. And praise God tonight, I have the scriptures. You have the scriptures. And they're given by inspiration. And we know, according to Job chapter 32, verse 8, but there is a spirit in a man. And the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So you have understanding about the Word of God, the things of God. That comes by inspiration. And I think that's a wonderful truth that a lot of Christians need to grasp. Yeah, they... Uh... You mentioned Genesis. I was thinking you were going to go there. God made man out of the dust of the ground. There's your body. And breathed into his nostrils the yep. breath of life. And man became a living soul. There's your trinity. But God breathed into that dead dirt mm. that was formed as a man, but it wasn't alive until God. And yeah. God breathes. And it becomes alive. It has the breath of God on it. And it's alive. It's a living soul. It's like God. Ezekiel, the valley of the dry bones. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? Breathe. When Ezekiel breathes on them, and then they yeah. come alive and become a great army. And the breath of God, inspiration, it, it, it's alive. It's the spirit. Mm. God's spirit comes on them, and it goes from a dead book to a live book. And if you don't have a book that's given by inspiration, you have a dead book. That's good. So what so. you have here is the breath of God. Amen. It's given by inspiration. You know what you have? You have a Holy Spirit that resides inside of you mm. if you're saved. And your spirit that was dead... God breathed into you. He quickened you. It's now made alive. Yeah. And that's how inspiration works. <laughs> it's by the breath of God that gives life. And again, every time you get understanding, that understanding comes by the inspiration of the Almighty. So, Amen. We're rolling along. Yeah, we are rolling <laughs> along. I have... Just kind of the phenomenon of Babylon or Mesopotamia. I, I noticed this recently. It's maybe not a nugget or something, but it's just really neat to notice. Meso is it's uh, a Greek word between, like Mesozoic, Paleozoic. Meso means between. It's a prefix. And Potamia, pot, hip, hippopotamus, Potato. water. Not potatoes. Between the potatoes. <laughs> between the waters. Okay. Acts 7, Stephen calls it Mesopotamia. Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldee, the Chaldeans. Abra Garden of Eden, of course, sure. is in between the Tigris and Euphrates. Mm -hmm. That's Babylon. That's Mesopotamia. 
Abraham, Genesis 12, oh, Tower of Babel. Yeah. Genesis 11, pretty big event. Sure. Creation, sure. pretty big event, Garden of Eden. Yeah. Genesis 12, Abraham is called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He's Chaldean. He's called out of that area. That's Babylon. Of course, they go into captivity in Babylon. Sure. Mystery, horror, Revelation 17, though, Babylon, mystery Babylon. And Ezekiel mentions that, talks about the land of thy nativity, and he's going to bring them back to that. And the mm. land of their nativity is Abraham, whose who's father and grandfather are all idolaters. Sure. They weren't sure. worshipers of the God. They didn't know God. And God calls out Abraham. And just, I probably even forgot him. I didn't write, write him down, but the... Babylon or Mesopotamia, that area just keeps showing up over and over and over. And there's so many important events. And Daniel, of course, is in captivity in Babylon. Sure. Ezekiel is in Babylon by the river Kibar, wherever he is when he writes. And it's just so, I don't know, so so relevant. And so it just keeps coming up in the Bible. Definitely something I will be 100% honest that all that's what Brother Brian just said. It's great, amazing, some truths that I didn't even consider. And, and again, that's just we wanted to show you. Just a lot of things, you know, we read through this, and too many times the Word of God just seems like words on a paper, and it's black and white. And we, you know, we need, we, we know we need to read the Bible, so we just do our due diligence and go through our duty. And listen to me, there's part of that in the Christian life that's good for you. Amen. Just being a disciple, being disciplined. But what we're hoping, our prayer is that you would get excited about Mesopotamia, <laughs> that you would get excited about Babylon and man, God says over here and God says over here, and the Lord, what are you trying to show me? And <laughs> that's what we do as Bible believers, get excited about the word of God. And uh, that that's, truly is, it's a blessing. I'm not trying to minimize it, it's a blessing. It's good to be excited about what God wants us to be excited about. And uh, amen. we talked about this before, but you know, you think about in creation, God doesn't spend much time talking about how he created. You know, the world, all these scientists and astrologists and all, all these people, they're spending their whole life trying to figure out how everything came into existence. God tells you in Genesis chapter 1, you know how the universe came into existence? One verse. <laughs> Genesis 1-1. One, one. I don't think I've ever heard that. Really? That's cool. Yeah. You have space, time. Matter, yeah, all in Genesis 1 1, which is the universe, anyways. Uh, so God doesn't give him great details about that, He says, and He made the stars also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people have dedicated their life to studying the stars, but yet God will write chapter after chapter after chapter about the tabernacle mm. and its makings, Mesopotamia, it, right about Mesopotamia <laughs> and Babylon. And brethren, what we're trying to hopefully get you to see is if God thinks it's significant, it's significant. We might not understand why it's significant, but it is significant. And uh, what, a, what a book, brother? What a book. Amen. Oh, Babylon, you know where modern day Babylon is? Yeah, Iraq. Yeah, that's not, yeah. nobody's ever heard of that. That hasn't been the news the last 20, 30 years, has it? Yeah, I think I was over there. It's like history. Yeah, <laughs> 2005. History just repeats itself. Crossing the Euphrates River. <laughs> so, anyways. Here's a verse for you. Another nugget. Totally separate thing. We're just giving you some of these blessings. Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed. This is Isaac. Mm -hmm. No, this is Jacob. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. This kind of goes along with what we talked about a few yeah. podcasts ago about, well, he 
First Corinthians tw- uh, 2 talks about comparing spiritual things yeah. with things spiritual, and God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, mm-hmm. the scripture with scripture, and you mentioned Leviathan, and you showed how God teaches and shows you and gives you right. here little and there little. But look at this thing right here. It's really neat. Some of you guys might have seen it, but I, th- I think it's really neat. So Jacob's ladder, Jacob's dream. The top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending mm-hmm. and descending on it, on the ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac. All right, we'll just look at a few verses on this. In 1 Samuel 28, I believe, yeah. Now this is uh, Saul goes to the witch of Endor. God has shut him off. Mm-hmm. God's like, I'm not talking to you. He goes to Samuel and Samuel's dead. And he, God's, just, God's done with Saul. 1 Samuel 28, verse 12. And when the woman saw Samuel... Sorry, I did the thing that I sometimes do. Verse 11, then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? So this is the necromancer and all that. And he said, bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, the Holy Spirit says the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods, Mm. plural, little g, ascending out of the earth. Mm. Jacob saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder. This woman sees the Holy Spirit, says she saw it. Gods ascending out of the earth. I don't know if you want to read any or you want to keep going. Okay. Go to John chapter 1. And there's other verses on it, but we'll just... Maybe you see where I'm going. We'll end it here. John 1, 51. It's a neat blessing here. So who is this ladder? Who are the gods? What, what is going on here? John 1, 51. And he, Jesus, talking to Andrew and Nathaniel. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending. Hmm. Genesis said a ladder. Right. Upon the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the latter. So 1 Samuel written in 1000 BC-ish or so. And then you got John written 1100 years later. And we find out that the latter is Jesus Christ. Of course, he's the ladder to heaven. He's sure. the stairway to heaven. He is the door. He's got the keys. And just the theory the angels could be the church. I don't know. That's... We're like the angels, and it sometimes seems like the angels are kind of used for us, or perhaps. But that'll also go with John 3.13. No man hath to send it up to heaven, but he that, all that kind of thing. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, and again, you can just continue on with these studies and word studies, and the Bible interprets the Bible. And boy, I tell you, this thing is just an amazing thing here. And I uh, I know I taught several weeks on similar to this and talked about uh, when heaven opened revelation chapter four verse one and talked about those doors and you know this this vision this ladder here and uh one thing i just want to point back out there in genesis chapter 28 of course verse 16 and jacob awaked out of his sleep and said surely the lord is in this place kind of be kind of like what you're saying you know with that ladder defining jesus there's a ladder surely the lord is in this place and I knew surely. it. Yeah. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? I find that very interesting. You know, he saw this vision, the ladder, and angels reaches up to heaven. He said, How dreadful 
is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. I literally believe in this, huh. in this dream, he looked up this ladder and he could see the house of God. He could see all the way up to the third heaven. Mm. And this place is the gate of heaven. This place. There's a gate that leads to heaven. Doors opening, heavens open, ladder. Interesting. Stuff. Mm. So, anyways, just some, some visible things. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The you things know. that no natural eye, no eye has seen That's or right. ear heard, which we looked at before. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like Hollywood, right? Hollywood's always a rip off of the Bible, but, you know, I don't care. They, they've portrayed this many a times. Whenever there's a superhero or a spiritual being that's not of the natural, right? We would say the supernatural, the spiritual realm. Oftentimes, what do they do? They come out of a portal that just appears mm. and something opens and they're able to go from one realm to the other. And I think the Bible talks about those things. Just interesting. Stuff. Yeah, that's so amazing. Just another little nugget there and study those things out. Just... Amazing book, brother. Amazing book. You mentioned the talking about Babylon and the world stealing stuff. Of course, the, the movie The Matrix, which Matrix is in the in the Bible, it's in the book of Exodus. It's used as a womb. Mm, yeah. And of course, if you've seen the movie, it's kind of like a womb. We're that's what the movie is. But anyway, um, but Neo, the hero, is the one. Neo is the one. Neo is new. And their ship is called the Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. And I think the city is Babylon, I think. I don't know, I haven't seen the movie forever. I think the city that they go and where they have their home and are kind of safe is Babylon. Wow. But Again, Hollywood copycats. is, uh, yeah, copycats. And a lot of it, That's folks like, how do they ever come up with this? Well, they, they have inspiration. They're inspired. Satanic inspiration. And the devil knows a whole lot of things of the spiritual realm that mean you don't know of so don't be shocked of the things that hollywood i mean hollywood comes up with <laughs> so uh you want to get into the two days yeah i think this is a good conversation obviously uh we could we could really really get into the deep this but we're not we're just going to hollywood at the we're going to give you the surface of this next subject amen so go the city of angels los angeles yeah and what are there there's Fallen stars, stars there right little yeah. golden images Oh yeah. yeah, Oscars. Yeah, yeah. So, a lot of a lot of. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Next thing, this this I love this study here. And uh, anyone that knows me, hangs around me any any length of time, you know I feel uh, sorry for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, one of my favorite studies, and uh, did a whole at a conference at Victory Baptist Amazing. Church. I did one at our Awake conference on what the days reveal. But go ahead and let's let's get into. Yeah, this. we'll probably just lay the groundwork for this, and maybe get into it next time. But yeah. I was on a YouTube page recently, and it popped up that the days reveal. So I watched it again. I've seen it like four or five times. I saw it this week. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a blessing. All right, Hosea 6.1. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. So this is actually Hosea pre-captivity book. God hasn't even taken him into captivity yet. Well, it could be written the northern tribe with Sennacherib, and that's 721 B.C., and... Now, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. So it's two Judas. So they've still got a couple hundred years before God takes them into captivity. They're there 70 years. Then they go back in the land. So that's way before the time of Christ. God hasn't even punished him yet fully. All right, but he hath torn, he hath smitten. Verse 2, Hosea 6, 2. After two days, 
Will he revive us? Mm. Mm. Well, that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> they wandered. They weren't a nation from 606 up until 1948. 2,600 years. They weren't even a nation. Adolf Hitler, we, we know all that. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Mm. Still future. Right. It says two days. Obviously not two literal days. So what do you got on that, brother? A whole lot. A little bit. <laughs> and uh, so obviously there, there is uh, so much to this study. And it, and it is just an absolutely fantastic study. It's a, it's a great, oh, what do you want to call it? Nugget uh, in the word of God and some great truths here. Um, but so we'll just start off. We want to use the Bible to define the Bible. And, you know, so what are these days? What is this prophecy? What is it talking about in regards after two days and in the third day? Um, so we know, according to second Peter chapter three, in the context of second Peter chapter three is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three says, knowing this first that there shall come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Of course, the Bible goes on to say in verse five, for this they, they will, um, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and they were standing out of the water and in the water. Again, that's a whole nother study, a whole nother subject. Not dwelling you on that tonight. To. Don't, yeah, do it. don't do it. Not, not tonight. <laughs> so you go on and read this thing and it talks about the judgment that's coming. Um, but what I want to get down to is verse eight. But beloved, be, be not ignorant of this one thing, hmm. that one day as with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Why would he say be not ignorant of it? Yeah, Who be not cares ignorant. about a day and a... Must be <laughs> a very profound prophetic significance of days. And so if we just use the Bible and what the Bible says, this will help us understand Hosea chapter 6. And after two days and in the third day. So I'll lay it out there. You can study this out. But those two days are the 2,000 years of the church age. And that third day is the millennium. And of course, we know at the end of the tribulation, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, the nation of Israel will be, they'll be born in a day. Amen. They're going to recognize, receive, all of Israel shall be saved. And in the third day, they will live in his sight. Now, hmm. you're already there, but in John chapter 1, we, we know, and then there's another one I want to add here, but in John, we know when Jesus Christ shows up, uh, let's see, the very first time when John the Baptist is preaching, uh, verse 29 says, the next day, John see Jesus coming on him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. All right, so there is day one, and what does John preach? Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away to the world. Brother, isn't that what we preach? We're preaching Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Behold, the Lamb of God. That is, and that's not what he was preaching in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. No, exactly that's not. special thing here. Exactly. Amen. So that's day one. And then if you go down to verse 35, day one in, in regards to meaning the church age and what we preach, you go down to verse 35, it says, Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Again, preaching Jesus for another day, or we could say, according to the word of God, for another thousand years, yes. a type of picture. 
Now, this is amazing. So we see that John preaches, behold the Lamb of God for two days, or in type and picture, for 2,000 years. Now, if this is going to, picture is going to work, then in the third day, those Jews are going to live in his sight. And the third day, they're going to be revived because that's what Hosea said. Oh, when we get to John chapter 2, because <laughs> what we get to read about. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day, wow. there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother Jesus was there. Isn't that interesting? You go out and read this account, and here's this marriage in Galilee. got all these Jews there. And guess what? That's a fulfillment pointing you to that those Jews will live in his sight. Wait, in the third day, or after the two days, after the 2,000 years. Now, you can run with this study. <laughs> you know the Good Samaritan? He leaves two pence to take care of Okay. And a day's wages is a pence, takes care of him for two days. When he, when he, when he takes care of that Good Samaritan there, he leaves there, and that's uh, Luke chapter Gentile. 10. Yep, Luke yeah. 10, 35. He leaves two pence to take care of him. Two days worth of wages. You look there, and this is, I believe, it's concealed in the Old Testament. Um, again, you'll see that uh, God tells Moses to be ready in the third day because he's coming down. You know what the Lord's going to do at the end of the two days and the beginning of that third day? He's going to come down Amen. from his holy mountain. And again, we see that and understand that by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And boy, you could just continue on with the study what the days reveal, and it's just amazing truth according to the Word of God. So, I don't know anything else you want to add on to that. Well, I know you get a lot more, but oh, yeah. probably out of time, so I don't know. No, yeah, I mean, again, you could just exhaust the study. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, so we could maybe one day spend a whole podcast, a whole hour doing this. We just want to kind of provoke you to, again, study the Word of God and just how amazing that is when you look at Hosea chapter 6. We believe that. Read the Word of God. Well, couldn't have been two literal days because they didn't, they weren't revived. They didn't live in sight. So we go to the Word of God. We find out, oh, a day can mean a thousand years. A thousand years can mean a day. And you start reading through the Bible. You see how these things come to pass. I think one other example, I'll just throw it out there. The story of Lazarus. Lazarus, who we love. Of course, Lazarus is a Jew. Um, they come to him and say, hey, the one that love us is sick. The Bible says that he abode where he was. For two days. At the time he comes to Lazarus, and he's dead, of course, to the glory of God. The Bible says he had been dead four days already. So four days, Old Testament, 4,000 years. Hmm. He bowed where he's at for two days. Picture of the church age. And then what happens? He calls him from the grave, and he's resurrected. A picture of the nation of Israel. You know what's interesting? <laughs> Do you know where he abode? When he stayed there for two days? I've heard your teachings. Yes, you know. You know. Beth, yeah. And you, he bowed where John the Baptist was baptizing. And it yeah. specifically said that they did no miracles. They believed on him because of his word. That is the church age. Mm. Believed on him because of his word. He bowed there for two days. Man, so, that's awesome stuff. What a book, brother. What a book. Yeah, the John 4, the Samaritan. Of course, that's Gentile. She's not really Gentile. But they're not really Jews. Yeah. And then she goes away and tells a bunch of men. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. 
So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. Mm. Again, this is only in John 2, by the way, not Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Right. John has a big emphasis on believing that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name, along with 1 John and all that. They besought him that he would tarry with them. Mm. And he abode there how many days? Two days. Two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying. The hypers have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah. They don't think the church is in there. For we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Wow. They got a revelation of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, for two days. Right. There's nothing in Matthew, Mark, or Luke about anything like that. The Savior of the world, he was the king of the Jews. Mm. He. And the same thing with John and what he prays, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's not what Elizabeth is saying and Zacharias yeah. is saying and Simeon and Anna in the temple. And that's not what the 12 are going out and the kingdom of the gospel, kingdom of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now and then you'll mess with the Gentiles here and there. There's a woman that keeps bugging him, so he heals her and he calls her a Gentile dog. But in John, you get this revelation. You get the two days thing with Lazarus and the woman at the well. He's the savior of the world and ah, you know so much else, stuff. <laughs> you know how else you get there? And I pointed this out recently. With all that wonderful truth and how you tied that in together, oh, there are two days, he's the savior of the world. It's also the Samaritans, half Jew, yeah. half Gentile, in one body. Yep. It's a picture of what God, the church age, right? There's neither Jew nor Gentile in the body of Christ. So that's why you have both the Jew and the Gentile in the one body, the body mm -hmm. of Christ. Pictured there with the Samaritans, fulfilled in two days when Jesus Christ is known as the Savior of the world. Sounds like, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Two days, two days, two days. Church age, 2,000 years. Now, by the way, this is a good segue because I've been thinking about a, a way to bring this up anyways. And of course, when you listen to that teaching in depth on you know, the significance of the two days, I conclude that by showing that if all this is true, and I believe it is, then the church age is promised for two days. And I said, well, that would mean the rapture of the church is going to be around 2033. And I say that because there's some things that we don't know. And this is what I really want to emphasize. Some people say Christ was really born 4 BC, right? Because of the calendars and so forth. That would back up the date to 29. Um, 2029. Yeah. Because if you got to back up for it, it would be better. It would be better. <laughs> I also heard a good Bible-believing brother said, actually, no, Christ was born in 1 AD. They gave a lot of Bible references. Well, that pushed it a year further. So it could be 2034. So I say, oh, that's not the back out of the teaching. But my point was not necessarily to pin down and write down on a calendar, 2033 is when the Lord's coming back. I'm just telling you, we're coming at the end of the church age. Exciting. It is exciting. But I don't want people to not live, think they got into a 2033. There's other factors that could be in, and the Lord could come this year, could come next year. I believe we're winding down this church age. But also, Brother Brian, I, I say this. I want this publicly to get out there. If the Lord doesn't come in 2033, I believe that if some not some tragedy happens, I mean, you will still be alive. I don't want Christians to be discouraged because I heard this teaching, you know, 10 years ago. Like, oh, I thought he was coming back. I sold my house. I gave everything up. It's not what I'm saying. Uh -huh. Because there's other factors that could put a year here, put a year here. I hope you get the point. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back real soon. Just, just study the Bible. Look at the world you live in. The, the stage is being set. 
The Antichrist kingdom is coming in. We know that spirit already works. We, we see this set up with all those things that's going on in the world. Boy, even lost people see it. Yeah. So the point is, I hope you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ and looking for that blessed hope, Christian. But with that said, I don't back down. I do believe the church has promised for two days or for 2,000 years. You just got to kind of work out those details and dates and calendars and some of that stuff we right. probably are not going to be able that, to nail down. That teaching is rock solid. It's been taught for generations right. about one day is with the Lord, a thousand years and six days. He rested the Sabbath. Sure. The millennium is a type. It's a 1,000 years. We, right. all, we know that. Revelation 20. And Adam and Eve, you take the dates. In Genesis, track them down. You get to 4,000, 4,004, yeah. whatever you want to call it, from the beginning of uh, creation of Adam and Eve. 4,000 years, four days, and the sun shows up, and Malachi, and Jesus is born. The typology is so inside and outside. Yeah. It, that thing is rock solid, 2,000-year church yeah. age. Jesus died in 33 plus two. Yeah. It might be a month off. It might be a couple years here and there, but our point is you don't have much time. That's right. And everybody, oh, no man knows the day or the hour, and there's like four things wrong with that. Right. Number one, it's it's talking about the second advent, not the rapture of the church. Right. There was no rapture. The rapture of the church was revealed to Paul, First Corinthians 15, mystery. Number two, he says, day or hour, Pastor Chad did not tell you, I know the day and hour. That's right. He didn't even say it, I know the year, but he's given you a year. Right. Perhaps 2033, around sure. 2033, hopefully no later than 2033. Amen, amen. He didn't say... On May 17th at 6 o'clock, Jesus said, no man knoweth the day or the hour. And he said, not even the Son of Man knows it. Right. Well, I think Jesus knows now. Absolutely. At that time, at 33 AD, before he's about to be crucified, he says, no man knoweth the day or the hour, not even the Son of Man. Sure. It's second advent. It's We're not talking about the day or the hour anyway. And it's Jesus on the earth. And other than that, you sure. Know. <laughs> no, absolutely. You raise some very, very valid points. And and again, I know most Bible believers. I, I mean, I've got a lot of good feedback, and people are like, man, that was good. I wanted more of it, and you know. But but again, I did. There was kind of a. I had a conversation with uh, someone recently. It was a good conversation, and I kind of made a joke about it. I was at uh, again the the King James Bible Conference of so their Victory Baptist Church, and and I got up just kind of you know segue break the ice a little bit and i said you know I saw that. yeah, I, yeah I, I could be so foolish and after <laughs> the churches and of course everyone chuckled and laughed because they know yeah. the last year i did and then so afterwards i had a good conversation with a very dear sister and she's like you were joking about that but you were for real weren't you and i had to explain oh yeah i was for real but anyways and she was said man it was such a blessing to me i've started really trying to get my children, my daughter to know the time is short and, you know, we need to live for God. And that was the point of the message, right? And so, yes, yes, just, we wrapped it up. Yeah, we, we, we need to realize that we should live a life that's looking for our blessed hope, live a life that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And as I concluded that, I'll conclude with this thought and then maybe we'll give another quick something quickly. But, um, the point is, you, you find there in Second Peter chapter 3, it's the scoffers who say where's the promise of his coming. So you don't think he's coming, you're not living like he's coming, then you're living practically like a scoffer. Twice when the Bible mm -hmm. talks about the evil servant, oh, yeah. said, my master delayeth his coming, mm -hmm. and then you go out and look what he did, he lived a wicked life. And Brother Brian, I truly believe our doctrine, what we believe, what we hold to, will affect our living. So the point of all this, and the point of this particular study, is to provoke you to live a life like the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, because he is. And we ought to live a life Amen. like such. So 
it has been about 55 minutes already. I know. We're trying to wrap these podcasts up in about an hour. Yeah. So I don't know if there was any last minutes or something else you want to throw in there quickly. Yeah, I'll just add a couple quick yeah. points on that. Um, I forget what they were. No, I've known people in church, usually it's teenagers. The adults may think this, but they don't say it. But in sure. other churches I've been at, I've teens are pretty comfortable with me and some will even tell me stuff they know i'm not gonna rat on you know little stuff about parents and that but they'll say oh they've been saying that forever i love sure. kids like kids that aren't even 10 say that they've been saying that forever and they're getting it from the brother and sister but that is a wicked attitude it is yeah they've been saying it forever paul was talking about jesus christ coming back sure he is coming back and jesus christ wants us to be looking for him and amen. there's a crown a crown of righteousness if we love his appearing second yeah, timothy four so you should be looking for him and we're closer than we've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, but the scoffers say he's not coming. Like, right. why would a Christian admit that or say, I don't, I don't even care if he comes back or I'm not looking for his coming? And that's the hope. That's what we hope. Sure, sure. We hope we're not wrong. We don't think we're wrong. I think pretty solid doctrine within a, yeah. you know, a few years here and there. We're not giving the exact time and second and minute. But we hope we hope he's coming, and sure. that'll be something else for in the future as far as his imminent return and could he have come and you know, there's different theories sure. on that. Sure. But I think Paul wanted him to come back. Amen. Amen. I think Timothy wanted him to come back. And I think perhaps there was a hope that he would come back in their lifetime. Sure. And then that that's a good thing. If you hope he's coming back, live like he's coming back. Amen. So, and, I, you know, and again, it's not been much. And I didn't make the clarification because I, I'm worried about it. But, you know, you always have these kind of. You know, probably our saved brethren, and you know, you as soon as you mention a date, oh, you're a heretic, and oh, you know, Jim's Jones, they did this. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. And never once, nor do I even think it's biblical, to you know, sell all you have and go to the mountains because the Lord's coming back on this date, and give all your money away. The Bible doesn't instruct us to do any of that. I mean, if someone's instructing you to do that, you mark that man as a heretic. I'm not telling you to do anything other than. Live a life like the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, like he said he would. And that should encourage us. That should provoke us. It's kind of like the analogy of if, uh, you know, you you're go away, you know, you've got some older kids, you leave them at home and you tell them, hey, I'm coming back soon. Mm. And but if you told them I'm coming, you know, I. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, my point is what I'm trying to drive at is hmm. if you're anticipating, if those, those children are anticipating your return, they clean up the house. Yeah. They make sure things are straightened out. They, you know, are anticipating the, the parents' return. And that's the idea behind it. And I know that analogy breaks down because someone could accuse me of saying, well, you said 2033, so then therefore I can live how I want for 10 <laughs> years. That's not what I'm saying. Because guess what, brethren? Those 10 years are going to fly by. And I hope 10 years don't go by and you don't do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. We know how short time is. My point is you ought to live your life like the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Because I truly believe he is. I think the time is short. Insane the time is short. <laughs> we are out of time on this podcast. Amen. Again, from the Word of a King podcast, we thank you for joining in. Until next time, God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.